0: Okay, recording. You have a story to tell, and maybe you've thought, I should start a podcast. Meet Anchor. It's a powerful app that lets you record a podcast anywhere and get it heard everywhere. All you need to do is download the free Anchor app and hit record. Just go to anchor.fm slash get started. Your story matters. Make a podcast with Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash get (laughs) started. Great, I think we got it. What's up, guys? My name is Solomon Ali, at Ali NBA on Twitter. Here joined by Lee Khan Bajani. We're actually doing a podcast in person for the first time since COVID started. We're both
1: vaccinated.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh both not wearing masks. So I feel I feel a little scared. I feel a little scared being this close to a person, a human being without a mask.
1: But we are very safe people overall, usually. We you know, we kinda stick in the
0: And we actually didn't plan to have a podcast today. I actually just felt like doing it because this K.J. Martin thing is becoming such a thing where it's like you have to talk about it. Like, his development in the past few weeks, it's just accelerated to a new level. And the the ball handling responsibilities he's had to take on with just the amount of players that are hurt for
1: the Rockets. You know, one thing that's really impressed me about him is just how quickly he's learning without practice time. I mean, I know he's getting the opportunity to play um, these 38 38- Plus minutes, forty plus minutes a night, especially during the stretch. But the fact that he's doing this without practice time and getting better as a overall player is very good to see. If you're a Rockets fan,
0: and to me, the most impressive thing for me is like the three point shooting. He was three five from three tonight. Twenty points, ten rebounds, seven to ten from the field. The three, like that, was a weakness of his going into the season. Like, can he ever develop a three point shot? Hell, he's shooting over forty percent on the season. On the season.
1: Wow. And, I, 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 on good volume. I, I had this, uh, it's a really obscure stat, I know, but it, it just shows kind of how well he's playing right now. Among players in the NBA who have had five or more starts, he's second in that category in terms of three point percentage. So, uh, he's getting better. He's starting all these games. He's showing that he's improved his, uh, his shooting touch. Um, he's worked on his mechanics extensively with John Lucas, as you know, Solomon. Um, uh, he's just, he's playing extremely well right now.
0: Yeah, and like it's it's funny. I had a podcast last week with Jackson Gatling, and all we talked about on the entire podcast was Kevin Porter Jr. because I thought he was the most intriguing prospect, young prospect the Rockets have. And I actually mentioned really briefly that he's not the only young prospect they have. The other young prospect they have is KJ Martin, and like I w- it's it's interesting. I never thought he would become this what he is right now. He's he's tw- twenty points per game in the NBA is nuts. Like that, I don't care what you are, I don't care how bad the team is, it is impressive to score 20 points per game.
1: You know, one, one thing I do want to bring up when it comes to him is the fact that, like you said, everybody talks about Kevin Porter Jr., how good he is as a scorer, ball hunter, all these things like that. But I think from an athletic perspective and how raw he is, you can mold K.J. Martin into whatever type of player you want him to be. Heck, you're seeing Steven Salas try him in different situations and positions. When Olenek and Wood are both healthy and playing together, you're seeing K.J. Martin play alongside them at the three um whenever he's coming off the bench he's playing sometimes at the two um with two three other bigs i mean i know it also depends on um, i have to put the caveat it also depends on who's healthy and on the floor but the fact that he's comfortable kind of putting him out there as a ball handler or somebody who can run dribble handoffs or just different types of actions is a testament to just how much he's improved with his tight handle of the ball and
0: whenever these guys do get back whenever these guys are healthy like you at this point you have to put the ball handling prowess on both KJ Martin and Kevin Porter Jr. You have to emphasize that. they have to they have to both be central to your offense. You can't prioritize one of the, over the other because frankly this this latest stretch by Kevin by um by KJ Martin is might might be better than any stretch we've seen this season
1: from kevin border jr i i agree and you know one thing and i've been noticing this a lot since he's been playing a lot more minutes one thing i really like about KJ martin that i think is going to translate well if he becomes you know possibly a really good player but at least a good role player is the fact that when he closes out especially when he's in that corner and closing out all he needs is one dribble because after that first dribble he's already in the air he's levitating he's elevating he's going up he's hanging he has great hang time and for a guy to close out that well, especially with how defenses. Play you if you're knocking down your three-point shot like he is right now. It allows you to be acrobatic around the rim if you can be and finish over these lengthy players. Against Gobert, against Jokic, against Aiton, against all these bigs st- uh, against the Lakers, it was Drummond. He has the unique ability to finish over them with his jumping ability and also has the great ability to offensive rebound and have a quick second jump with the- with his shot backs.
0: And he was drafted pretty much because of his physical tools because people thought he'd become eventually a three and D kind of guy yeah. and, a, and a good perimeter defender because of his athletic ability. Right now, he's not that, obviously. It's going to take some time for him to become a good defender. But the hope there is that he eventually gets there and that he, he can become the full package. This offensive versatility you're seeing from him can be combined with the physical tools to actually be a real NBA player. Um, that's, that's going to t- it's going to take some time for him to, you know, for, for mentalize like that. It's, it's going to take some time for him to get there. But, I mean... It is encouraging that he has this much
1: offensive ability early on. I nobody thought he'd be this. No, yeah, he nah. he
0: was the 52nd pick in the NBA draft.
1: We thought he was two or three years away from contributing. And the fact that he's getting playing time, I, I, now, I wasn't but sure also if he was worse.
0: ever going to contribute. Like honestly, like there there were, there there were when you draft that low, mm-hmm. it is a complete crapshoot as to whether or not you're an NBA player, not a good NBA player, not even a very good NBA player. Whether you're an NBA player, like yeah. most of those guys stick around the G League and then they they wash out right? Like, you get the occasional guys who make it, and they're good role players, right? Like, you're Draymond Green to the world. You're, you And, like, the reason we can remember those stories off the top of our heads so easily is they're so rare. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying K.J. Martin's going to become that. Obviously, it's so early. It is so early. The sample size is so small. But it's surprising, like, because none of us saw this coming. Now, like, absolute, like, you ask anybody in that Rockets media room, any Rockets fan, any anybody like even more than Kevin Porter Jr. Kevin Porter Jr. like, like the, there was there was some thought there even going into that draft that he was a legitimate talented offensive prospect. And when the Rockets traded for him, they they traded for him for, um because they thought he could be a diamond in the rough somewhere. They thought if they can get rid of the off court stuff, that he could become something. This is not something anybody saw.
1: I you know I- one question i do want to ask you because i i think we're about to get to this um the way we're both thinking right now is kj martin a better long-term prospect than kevin porter jr
0: it's tough to say but
1: i i think they're at the very least equal i i've been saying this a lot recently and over the last few months even after the kevin uh uh, after they were playing in the bubble and came back um after the all-star break i like kj martin a lot more now okay you know what People will mix my words. I like KJ Martin a lot, and it wouldn't surprise me if he turns out to be a better NBA player. Than well, King he's Ford even Jr. a more
0: efficient NBA prospect, right? That's for sure. That's like you, you can't even argue that. Like he's the better shooter right now, right now, like year one. That's even with his mechanics and how he's growing. Yes, yeah, he's already the better shooter. Okay, and the, but but. There is a ball handling and passing element that he doesn't have, right? And Kevin Porter Jr. has that. He has that innate, I can find open shooters, I can find open guys. He's grown with his vision. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and but like but like that's something you just can't teach, right? Like like some of that is just like you have it or you don't. Yeah. And he has it. KJ Martin doesn't. And that's so that makes him a different prospect. They're different players. They're two totally different players. You watch them play, just because they might be getting similar numbers on similar nights, like doesn't it doesn't mean they're the same type of players at all? And I don't know. It's it's it, it just it just throws me for a loop, right? You 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 never expect prospects to become like this. I I think if you give everybody in my Rockets front office truth serum right now, they all come out saying, yeah, we had no idea he'd be he'd be this, no idea. Like the, 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 they they drafted him. In the fifty, at the fifty-second pick, uh, if they thought he was going to be a really good prospect, they would have they would have bought a pick earlier.
1: You know, we we've talked about the Rockets' lack of draft capital during their during a the Harden era. This season, they've had a chance because of the injuries to have twenty-nine players, um, you know, uh, play for them. Yeah, they, them they, they they got to explore. They got to explore. A lot a lot of them are these t- are are these younger guys. My question for you is. Is the young team, including KJ Martin, this young core of players that they have? Is this a good enough type of nucleus you can build around?
0: No, no they don't have a nucleus yet. They have stuff. They have stuff. Like they have young. They have, they have. They basically have two bona fide prospects: Kevin Porter Jr. and KJ Martin. Other than that, everybody that we're talking, that we're thinking of, right? You're okay. thinking Jay Shante. You're thinking Christian Wood. You know, possibly Kelly Olenek, Right? Like these are all good players, but they're all in their mid twenties right or even late 20s in the case of kelly Olinick. so this isn't what i would call a young core but it's the start of something
1: so ju- just just to make sure we're on the same page i think you and i both agree their timeline is much younger than may people may think
0: yeah yeah it is and uh it's it's one of those like you try and try and try to tell this to people and they get angry because listen nobody i understand nobody wants to go through a long rebuild right Right. And so you're plugging in, okay, this is our future point guard, the future. This is our future center. This is our, like, like, like all. You you can see on Rockets Twitter, for example, Rockets fans trying to give themselves hope with these unplayers. Yeah, but it takes time. I'm not, I don't want to be a downer with this stuff, right? Like, I, I obviously, like, I, I, for Rockets fans' sake, I want this team to be as good as fast as they possibly can, but they're, the reality is the way they gave away prospects when they were a contender, the way they were, you know, just burning through capital, which was the right move and we all praised them for doing so at the time, it's handicapped the way they're going to rebuild. Now they've re- they re, you know, stocked the cupboard a little bit, but it's on the back end. It's not coming, you know, right away, and they're going to have to wait a little bit to get some of these young prospects. And help, maybe they get lucky next year. Maybe the maybe one of these three first round picks coming up is a stud. But until they get a stud, bona fide star prospect,
1: and even though it it takes a few seasons for that to happen and for you get to for that stud to be able to get right. to a point where he's carrying a team,
0: and, and but but what I'm saying is like, well, until they they know that they have that stud, you can't build timelines. Like, like a, good point. Y- yes, you don't build from the outside and you build from the inside out. Yes, right. Yes. Like like any any player that's remotely good right now is likely going to be traded if they are not younger than 25 years old and they're probably going to be traded for draft picks because those picks are probably going to align better with whatever timeline they get and it's it's gonna suck it's gonna it's it's gonna suck to see maybe someone that is good right now being traded for someone you're not going to see for a few years but it's it's probably going to be the right right basketball play but i i don't want to get away from what the the why we do we're doing this podcast like they have something right now, and we both didn't think they had something this year. Yeah, right. Like, like it was gonna be a really, really dreadful season, and they were there weren't going to be bright young spots. And they have bright young spots, and they give credit to Rafael Stone, right? Like, like he gets credit for this. This this was his first draft pick. He has not draft he has not drafted a player yet, other than KJ Martin. And if he's a hit, if he's a hit right away
1: in the second round. This episode is brought to you by Cox Home Life. Cox helps make your home smarter. And now you can see what's happening around your home right from your couch. Just pull up your home life cameras on your TV with your Contour voice remote and some simple voice commands. Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're outside? Say, show me my backyard camera. And to see who's at the door, just say, show me my front porch camera. To learn more, visit cox.com slash thisishome.
0: That's, it it
1: it does. And remember, they traded back for that pick.
0: Yeah, and, and it makes you look. It makes you look at them in a in a positive way. You you gain stock from doing stuff like that, right? You gain you, like you get credibility from from getting these steals, right? Like that. That's why Tim Connolly is such a respected executive. Like he he was able to find these gems in the first, late first round, early second round, and turn them into actual legitimate cores.
1: Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Okay, like I said, this is a spur of the minute podcast. So there was an interruption. Uh, We are back. Uh, I can't control our environment. Our environment's very strange. All right? Like, there's a reason we're together right now. I don't really want to talk about it on the podcast because, again, I'm a private person. I, don't, I really don't want to share much with you guys. So I, I like you guys. I, I don't love you guys. You know, I don't know you guys that well. So, we're just going to... Suffice to say, we got interrupted. We are back. Oh, my God. And, and, and we're going to record part two of this podcast. Where did we leave off? I, oh, I remember where I left off. We were talking about how Rafael Stone does get credit for getting these guys late in the, in the draft. Getting kevin porter jr for nothing getting um kj martin 52nd in the draft like that goes on your that, that goes on your track record like much like tim Connolly gets credit for drafting guys like Nikola Jokic and jamal murray late in the draft and you know it it, it just it, it, is, it just is it factors into the equation in terms of how we evaluate this guy now obviously one year Right? What you you had one good year on the job. That's not how reputations are made. Reputations are made based on multiple years on the job. So I do think this uh, does go on the positive column for him, though.
1: I'm I'm still going to have to wait and see. Um, sure, you know what but happens? What
0: I'm saying is this was a good year on the whole. Well, front
1: yeah, yeah, I I think just besides the draft too, the the, the players they brought in who they've given a chance to. Um, earned playing time. Armani Brooks, Kyrie Thomas, um, uh, uh, Cameron Oliver. Now they brought in Justin Patton, who they thought that could be a rim runner. Like just giving young guys a shot. Um, athletic guys who can potentially play the way they want to play, you can tell that he has a type. His type is bringing athleticism here that they can mold and make them into good players and also just help them become better shooters. John Lucas is always working with these young players every single day along with the rest of developmental developmental coaching staff. And so you're hoping that with that work and also the fact that they have those raw tools already to work with, that you can put together a roster full of these lengthy big players to be successful.
0: Or you build their values up, and then you eventually move oh, that Oh, that also, that, that too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> right, right. Like, so, and, you know, also, like, he's done a good job at, like, correcting mistakes that the front office has made. The John Wall trade was correcting a mistake. The um, You know, the Kelly Olenek trade was a great correction, right? Like, Kelly Olenek, by far, has been the better basketball player than Victor Oladipo this year. It's hard to argue. And he's been healthier as well and they're and they're going into an off season with less uncertainty than the Miami Heat right with Victor Oladipo now I don't know what decision they'll make they still might let him go they still might let Kelly Olenek go but now they don't have to worry about re-signing Victor Oladipo with his injury issues.
1: hindsight is 2020 which is just a little off topic would you if if any team offered Oladipo the contract that extension the Rockets did earlier this season reportedly would you as Victor Oladipo take it right now, given the of situation. of course
0: I would have taken it in the moment. I would have say I would have taken it in the moment. I, it was I was surprised that he turned it down. It, that that made it clear that he was not long for the Rockets. When he turned that down, it made it clear he was going to be traded. For me, you know, like a lot of people could have could have read it differently, but like it it's like he was clearly out of. They were miles apart on asking prices. Like the fact that the Rockets offered that and he turned that down. No way. Are you bringing him back or risking what he's going to uh, demand the offseason?
1: You know, it, good for the Rockets, though, that they got Kelly Olinick here, who's somebody that I think they feel like can be not a long-term piece, but somebody who can help bridge the gap and continue to help, you know, these young guys be good NBA players, good, make good product on the floor.
0: And they want to be competitive, right? The the Like the front office may view it differently but the coaching staff certainly wants to be competitive you know what helps you be competitive good veterans kelly olenek it's a good veteran player to have and if if he if he's back with the rockets next year the rockets are going to win more games because of him maybe not a lot like he's not james harden obviously no. but like
1: he's a good player and good players help. And, and silas has always talked about this especially the second half of the season he he goes out of his way to always mention olinick um dj augustine um just veteran players who are helping their teammates be successful. And when you have a good core, a good group, a good core group like that it allows you to be able to do certain things with your younger players another guy avery bradley who's not playing right now but somebody who co- co- um coach styles also admires as well and and all that does is it once you have veteran players here and they're bought in just the way the, these veteran players on they became a soundboard they came an echo chamber for you to get all these younger guys get on them about work get on them about film study get on them about working with the coaches all these small things that you need as a young player to continue to develop and prosper and go on that trajectory that the coaching staff and the front office hopes you to be that's what he's doing he's establishing that culture that we had talked about before the offseason
0: and, and you know like for me I'm a bit of an anarchist when it comes to rebuilding I I'm always like if you don't have that guy tear it all down and What's interesting about this is like I'm not even upset that they're not tearing it all down right now because they're not doing they're not bringing in these veterans at the expense of not developing these young guys they're still bringing in guys like Kyrie Thomas they're still bringing well, in guys you
1: have to have these players yeah right? yeah
0: and, and they're still taking two way contract guys like they're, they're still getting young guys but they're also having these veterans and um, I I suspect these veterans aren't on the team if they weren't brought in via trade but that doesn't matter the fact is they're here.
1: I, I want to read a quote, and our good friend of ours um, in media, covers the Rockets, covers many other teams, Tim McMahon, ESPN. Yeah, yeah. He, he came out today with a story. He had spoken with um, Rockets owner, Tillman Fertitta. I want to just read a quote um, regarding um, about what's going on right now. I never thought I could, quote, I never thought I could feel this good when I've been so upset about losing. But when I look at all the draft picks that we have in the future, I'm just happy. And it's unusual to feel this good with your coach and your general manager, but I do. So
0: what he's saying is not wrong there, but for God's sakes, Tillman, get a PR guy. Like, like for, for, <laughs> for God's sake, like, like whoever is advising you to like say these things, right now your Q level, Tillman, is at ground freaking zero. Right, you are not a respected owner right now. Now, like, did, it's not to say that you know what you're saying in this specific instance is wrong. Rafael Stone has done a good job. Stephen Silas, like, yeah, it's you know, it we'll see what he does next year and for the remainder year, remaining years of his contract. The wins and losses do go on his record.
1: No, he 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 later said, and to your point, he said, "quote I know my basketball guys know what they're doing. We're not going to do something stupid to try to get into the playoffs next year." That then will prevent us from competing for a championship in a couple of years. He has the right perspective there, right? A lot of owners don't, right? A lot of owners
0: want to win right away. And I'm not, this is not me, you know, buttering up Tillman. Like I. Like Rockets, what about but, to
1: get on you, my guy? No,
0: l- listen, listen. Like I'm just saying that this is, you'd rather have this be his perspective than saying, I want to win right away. I want to win next year. I want to win right now. Right, and the fact that he has this healthy perspective about the draft picks, I suspect Rafael Stone is is kind of showing him what's going on yeah. here, right? Like I suspect the front office there is guiding him. Yeah. But the fact that he that, that he's bought in to what they're selling is good. It is good. If you're a Rockets fan, it is good. It's terrible PR because you the the Rockets lost James Harden, Mike D'Antoni, Daryl Morey in one year. In one year, and they and they didn't pay the luxury tax the past two years, and he is celebrating. He's doing victory laps. Oh, it's gonna look bad now. Th- there were a lot of people taking this quote and you know extrapolating it out, like you talking about the James Harden trade, right? Like Bill Simmons had a tweet about the James Harden. Trade, yeah, right. That's not the right approach to critic criticize Tillman for If you want to criticize him, criticize him about the luxury tax. Criticize him about being very loud and, and and not really backing up a lot of what he says, right? And criticize him for allowing these guys to walk. Tad Brown, too. I forgot. I bet not mentioned Tad Brown. When we talked about him a couple podcasts ago, uh, that's another important face that's gone from the organization. And these are, these are valid criticisms. The James Harden trade is just so early to judge right now. The picks are out into 2027 you won't know what that trade becomes until the fi- that final pick is drafted or we see whatever you know comes from that pick like whatever if they trade that pick and whatever whatever comes back like it's it's just too far into the future to make judgments and and use this article as a vehicle to judge that trade
1: i i do want to make one last point quote from the, from the story uh, actually two quotes we'll talk about both really quickly Quote, I'm the lucky person that gets to be the steward of the team for the city of Houston and the millions of people that live here. And my goal is to compete for a championship as many years as possible. And he finishes it off by saying, we're going this is Steven Salas, right? No, no. This is this is Tomei Fertitta. OK. All right. All right. And as he says later, um, but as we know, when you compete for four or five years in a row, when you're th- when you throw everything at it, which I was totally behind. This is what. Which I was which I was totally behind. This is what happens in any sport. We're going to be patient. I think we'll be much better next year, and we'll be much better the following year. And then we'll be much better the following year. So he's laying down the foundation and, and letting the fans know through the story, hey, give us time. It's gonna be a step-by-step process. We're gonna have to incrementally take, take steps to get better. But you know that going back to the first quote, the first quote I mentioned, I'm lucky, I'm the lucky person that gets to be the steward of the team for the city of Houston. yeah, And the millions of people that live here, my goal is to compete for a championship as many years as possible. Clear theme right there, which we have seen throughout the organization. This is Tillman's team. This is Tillman's decision. This is Tillman's hand in everything.
0: Right, and I'm glad you said that, because as you're reading it, it it just became crystallized for me. Like, he is the face of the organization. Like, for so many years, it was Daryl Morey. Then, when Daryl left, it became Tad. This is now his team full like through all the way throughout. He has his fingerprints all over it. He picked the general manager, he picked the head coach, and he he's going to pick the new, the next CEO. This is his team. And he is probably going to be the vocal figurehead from now on. Like they, we're not going to hear Rafael Stone that often. Like I that's what I suspect from from just this first season, he's not been as vocal as Daryl was. Uh maybe maybe he changes that before He made
1: a Twitter though, Salman. Come on. If you make a Twitter, you have to be vocal. <laughs>
0: Yeah and no, nobody had any idea that, that that he was following a lot of these reporters like myself I had no idea that he was just following <laughs> us right um but yeah like like so but that he's more inconspicuous he's more in the background he doesn't like to speak to the media he's very paranoid when he does speak to the media
1: Tillman is
0: a loose cannon and hey
1: uh, man he has his, he has that show um, on Tuesday or that segment he does, I know like nobody watches it, it. <laughs> but
0: but but like, <laughs> oh, but God. but what i'm saying is like we're getting off topic man what i'm saying is he is going to be the vocal figurehead nobody else is going to speak you might not like it but it's just the way it is it's just the way it is he needs to get stronger pr by the way cuz he says this in the worst timed moments he he, he makes well, these honest question honest
1: question him saying it now What what is the biggest problem with him saying it now?
0: They they just lost James Harden and Tad Brown within
1: the span of a few months. Like, give it a year. So couldn't you make the argument that he's trying to give optimism to his fan base?
0: Yes, I understand. I I understand what he's doing. The timing is just so poor. But but like that's what I'm asking. Where where, why do you think it's poor? Well, I because you just lost these two major figureheads in succession within the past few months. You can wait a little bit. You can wait. 6 months a so year. So if he said this
1: after the draft, would that have been better for you for him to come out and say this or before yeah. the draft or the yeah, lottery? Yeah, or yeah, well, like if he sends himself to the lottery, right? He was the representative for the team at the lottery. Would it have been okay for that him? That would have been actually perfect
0: timing because cuz that's when you start talking about the future, right? You start okay. talking about that around draft time. And I don't know. Again, I, I, I have no problem with him saying this. No, I, like it, I said, I'm it, just trying to understand just, your
1: perspective. It's
0: just if I were a P, if I were a head of, I don't know if he has his own individual PR team. I, I I would assume so. If I were his PR person, I would not tell him to, to speak this to, to speak right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, you know, Soma. One thing that's one thing that I've learned about Tillman Fertitta, um, even my first time kind of speaking with him in person, which. Was after the Rockets lost to the Warriors in the 2019 semifinals. What a bizarre press conference! Um, but what a, you what and a... I, you and I, were in the tunnel for that. That yeah. was uh, <laughs> that was very interesting. Well, <laughs> one thing I've learned about Tillman though um, is that you know you never know what you're gonna get, I, but you do know what you're gonna get. It it was just. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't want to talk about. The, like, I, we were. We were never going to talk
0: about this press conference. So, so the Rockets just lost in 2018, eliminated from the playoffs. None of the coaches have spoken yet. None of the players have spoken yet. He is furiously walking down and finding media to to just just speak his mind, and that is just so classical new new owner syndrome, right? Like that. That is. Such That's a- where
1: we first heard the term tomanisms. Or no, something like that. It was yeah. something sort of Tillman phrase that he used.
0: Yeah, I think he actually said Tillmanisms or something like that. But yeah, um, and what's interesting is he's actually not around the Toyota Center that often. Pretty hands-off.
1: From, from what I understand, he, he does come to games even during the COVID season. He's been in, in the press box. He hasn't been sitting um, um, courtside because that's different type of testing that needs to be done and everything like that in terms of NBA protocols. Um, but you're right. It's It's been interesting not to see him... In his customary seat, you know, at the front row. Um, even in the past, when he when he had first started, you would often see Daryl Morey or Tad Brown or some sort of a member Bro, of the organization. He, well, remember
0: Morey? was afraid to watch these games, right? Yeah, like, he would go
1: in the back. But you know, there's only been one time this season where you could see Tillman, Fertitta, Rafael Stone, Patrick Fertitta, right, all sitting next to each other.
0: And it's interesting because Patrick Fertitta has taken on that that middleman role, right? He is the middleman from the front office to to ownership, right? And he is the hands-on guy. I, I, I actually assume that he is the one explaining this to his dad because he is so in the trenches. Uh, to assume that he's not picking stuff off would, would be naive. He's a yeah, very he's young, yeah, he's definitely learning. Yeah, he's a very young guy. And I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's making these decisions, but I think he's definitely in these discussions. Of and, course, and like, for sure. Like, uh, James Harden doesn't call Patrick Vertita to make his trade request. If James Harden doesn't know that Patrick Vertita is involved in basketball ops, he's definitely yeah. involved in basketball ops. Yeah. But uh, my understanding is the role is that he is the middleman, the go-between guy. Okay. Yeah.
1: I mean, it, that's, that's what, it. it, that's it, you it would make sense whenever you, you your father's the owner and that you you want to be involved in basketball decisions. Yeah. And, and
0: like the you know having the owners' sons or relatives or like. The the nepotism stuff it's not un, it's not un, unique in the NBA like, it, it happens all the time like look at Danny Ainge right
1: well, let, let's look at let's look at the Golden State Warriors
0: right like exactly exactly it happens everywhere uh, the the Heat right it's it happens all over the place um, I'm not I'm not defending it I'm not saying it's a good thing I'm not even saying it's a bad thing it's just, it just is what it is and uh, my understanding is that he is the go between guy but it is becoming very clear that he, that Tillman is the vocal guy. He is the guy um, that is going to be the, the front guy. Remember, for front uh, it was, I think
1: it was during that playoffs when he spoke to the 2019 playoffs where he was doing those rounds on ESPN, first take, and yeah. um, all those things. Not just promoting his book, but also just kind of talking about the, the team, team. Yeah. yeah even more so than daryl was and you know we all know how daryl was with the media he he would go out and always want to you know talk about his players be optimistic but toman was always out there during that time as well
0: yeah and that, that's his role now he's taken on the daryl media he's role.
1: The, yeah, he's the face of the franchise yeah
0: it's very strange um normally i mean like here's the thing a lot of teams just don't have this type of figurehead right a lot for a lot of teams it's just the head coach yeah, in reality, like a lot, a lot the, the head coach takes on a lot of, re- a lot of that responsibility. The Rockets have always had someone in charge doing that. Yeah, and now, um, now it's Tillman. <laughs> <laughs> now it's Tillman, for better or worse, it's, it's Tillman. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, that's that's all I have to say today. To be honest, I just really wanted to talk about KJ Martin because it, it, he's become yeah. unavoidable to talk. About. No,
1: you, you and I watched the end of that Los Angeles game together. We watched the game together for the most part, but. I mean, he, you and I had moments where we looked at each other like, "Wow, this kid is good. This kid is good. This kid has, yeah. you know, a chance to be something good." And,
0: and and I've had like I've had moments texting you, like 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 talking about KJ Martin. Yeah. Where like like I'm just like this this guy is like a real deal. We have to start talking about him. <laughs> like like and. Um, you know, we'll see if this is the sample size keeps up. I'm not I'm not even saying we'll see, either. you know,
1: as defenses read more into him, look yeah. at out of reports. reports. Yeah. Exactly. Um the, he he does have things that he likes to do. Th- this could tail off, the shooting could tail off, yeah. all, all this could disappear in an instant. It's just so it's variable. Yeah. But and but the story now. But now he has to show that consistency and he has to go into the offseason to prove that not only is he working to improve overall in other areas, but this was real. But this was real and it was and he can be consistent with it.
0: Yeah. Um. Well, we did a pretty good podcast under the circumstances. You know, a lot of people interrupting us, a lot of people coming in and out here. Um. Again, not the perfect recording environment. We're actually recording on our phones. It's very strange. I'm used. I'm used to having a microphone right here. This this this
1: this is this is probably, you know, Saul and I have recorded podcasts together in person before many times. Um. But usually that's been at Toyota Center. Yeah. And, And that's been you know after a game and it's you know in the bowels of the Toyota Center dark um you know quiet this was just a completely different environment
0: <laughs> yeah and, and it was a funny was we actually had people interrupting us there too People would yeah. come in to that room we recorded at yeah. all the time and you know like we, we've gotten so used to it that we can talk over it and, and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I i don't think I, I hope it didn't i hope that didn't get picked up but but yeah like we've gotten so used to it that we can talk over it and yeah and we can we can get past it, but it, it does get to a point where we just have to stop the podcast, address it, and come back. That's what we did
1: today. <laughs> um
0: yeah, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Follow me on Twitter at Tom Only NBA, follow Alicon on Twitter at
1: Rockets underscore insider.
0: And where can you subscribe to the Athletic?
1: Yes. Um, you can you can you can follow me there, I'll always post the stories there. Uh, make sure you guys subscribe. The Athletic.com. yes. There we go. The Athletic, yes. <laughs> thanks for, thanks for listening guys nobody builds 5g like Verizon builds 5g because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America and the more you do with 5g the more building it right matters the more your network matters.